Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of the Inside Out podcast. We are, we're going to get into it today. We've got some things to talk about, some important things to talk about regarding the happenings of our world today, but we wanted to make sure that we communicated with you some really, really exciting news that is taking place within our church family. And um, Brent, why don't you share a little bit about uh, what's going on with some things regarding the future of City Point Church? Oh, I thought you were talking about exciting things going on in general. So, because I thought you were going to say, Brent, I know that you're excited today because your middle son is graduating from high school. Yeah, that's part of it. So that's pretty exciting stuff. That's we're part of celebrating it. that this evening, actually, the ceremony, which is um, parents only and then a drive-through ceremony, Yeah, um, is this evening. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Um, and, uh, so let me ask you a question, Michael. Yeah. Um, back when you were in high school, back, just back when you're in high school, which would have been what, 13 years ago now? Uh, no, no, I graduated 14 years ago, 14 years. Yeah. Oh, so I was one year off. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So I, I, I four, left high school 14 years 14 ago. 14 I mean, years ago. Okay. So if you were sitting in class and one of your teachers in an angry voice came up to you, called you Mr. Sister and asked you what you wanted to do with your life, how would you respond? How would you have responded? Um, I, I don't know, but whenever I think of an authority figure asking a younger person, what do you want to do with your life? I immediately think of Matt Foley from Saturday Night Live, Chris Farley. The uh, motivational speaker. Oh. I don't know if you remember that one at all. He was living in a van down in a van by down the by the river. Yeah. So I wouldn't have said I want to live in a van down by the river, but I don't. I'm not sure what I would have said. What, okay. What's the answer? Well, it was a it was a MTV music video when I was uh, in high school. So maybe it was middle school. But that just the right answer to that question yourself. is: What do you want to do with your life? The right answer, the correct answer is: I want to rock. Yeah, exactly. And so that's how it would go. Yeah. Dis- but that's a Twisted Sister video that I'm not sure I should. I wish I didn't even remember it, but there it is. Yeah. Not, but you do. And you've just dated yourself by talking about music videos on MTV because there's. From the 80s. I think yes. like my generation really lamented the fact that music wasn't on music television anymore. But then I look at like Titus, who's just now graduating from high school. Mm-hmm. Do they know that MTV is a thing? Not in my house. I don't <laughs> think so. No. <laughs> Definitely not in my house. <laughs> not on I think purpose, in general. Anyway. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about Titus graduating. This is this is wild. Because I've, I've known him for, I mean, 10, 10 years now. Yep. And years and years ago, Titus went to the same school that, that my oldest son just started going to. And when we were signing them up for registration. We were going into the school. And this school has a program called watchdogs and it's for like it's for dads and kind of father figures to provide some some male support for some of these kids who may not have it otherwise it's a chance for them to get involved and on the wall right as you go into the school is like this 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 mural of of these men who have volunteered to be watchdogs and there is like three pictures of brent kimball as a watchdog and i went I told my wife, I was like, look, like this is, this is pretty cool. You know, Brent's still here at the school. And she goes, I think that's like the Watchdog Hall of Fame. 
That was the first year of Watch Dogs. Well, I certainly think that you would qualify for the Watch Dog Hall of Fame. I I chalked it up to maybe they don't update the board as much as they should. <laughs> that might be the, that might be more of a reality than the Hall of Fame. But hey, we could all create our own little world of glory. I'm going to have to go steal one of those pictures for you. But in the meantime, wherever we were at, uh, uh, exciting an- announcement. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Back to the real announcement. Um, so. So today, this podcast is airing on Friday. On Thursday, via Facebook and some other um, of our media outlets, I made this incredible announcement, something that's been in the works for a little while now, but now I'm able to make it public. And this is so cool. So if you didn't hear the announcement yesterday, hear the announcement today. We, we are moving forward with our uh, plans for our future facility as our lease in this facility is up in less than three years. And so we we know we need to be moving forward with this. And in the midst of all of the uh, um, planning and such, there is a group of people who care very much about City Point Church, who are very much a part of City Point Church, and uh, want to see the church prosper for generations. They have gotten together and they are donating a two and a half acre piece of land in some, a really, really pretty prime piece of land here in Mount Vernon to the church so that we can build a new facility. So that is one, I'm sure there's been plenty of people praying about such things long before I got here. Right. But I have definitely been praying uh, for some sort of a miraculous work of God. And um, and when, when I was approached by this, uh, group or, or kind of the, the spokesman of this group, and he told me that they wanted to do this. I was just um, like, "What do you say?" Right? It's right. amazing. That is an amazing uh, provision by God through these very generous people. Yeah, yeah. Which and it's an exciting thing too. I mean, being a part of the conversations that we've had over the past uh, two, three years now, even as far as what those options look like and what we were hoping would happen and, and looking around every single, uh, corner for possibilities of maybe we take over an old church building, or maybe it's a, it's a, uh, you know, a, a warehouse or something, what that looks like. And the fact that we'll have the ability to, um, receive this land and, and build a building is like, is a big deal. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. And so uh, what we would love for you to do is... You'll if hear... I may interject yeah. here, though, real yeah. quick, just real quick, for all of you in our listening audience, um, one thing that Michael has already put his request in is he wants a window in his office. And so <laughs> I'm taking that under serious consideration because there's been, including our offices here, there was one other place that Michael and I've worked together at, and he didn't have a window in that office. So we've worked together in three different settings and two of the three, he didn't have a window in his office. So he's really nervous about his long-term future in a new, (laughs) in a new facility if he doesn't have a window in his office. So you all pray with us about that because, um, that's pretty important. Yeah. Well, that's actually interesting because we have put out a survey for the church to, (laughs) to answer. And, um, I've put that in as the eighth question of the survey. I don't think that's true. (laughs) I don't think that part's true. Should Michael have a window in his office? No, I'm, I'm only kidding. Um, but what I was going to say is that uh, we have a survey out and and we're asking those people who consider City Point home 
um, to to fill out the survey and and just kind of help us give us a picture of, of where they're at and we're not we're not guaranteeing that that these survey results will guide um, uh, this this process but we certainly do want to hear from from you and what your preferences are on um, on this as we move forward and so again it's really really exciting stuff so so be watchful for communications from us in the future uh we're moving forward with this and this stuff comes up faster than we ever think and so um it's it's going to be great and we're really really looking forward to it yeah All right, so we want to get into this conversation today, and um, given everything that's happening in our world um, with uh, the killing of, of uh, George Floyd, with the uh, ensuing uh, demonstrations and riots that have followed, uh, this is an important, important topic for us to cover. Now, here's, here's what we're going to say as a disclaimer. This podcast is, is going to be 35, 40 minutes long. We are certainly not going to... Um, be able to cover all the issues um, within this time frame. But what we wanted to do is is to start a conversation here. Uh, we hope that it will be beneficial for you. We know it'll be beneficial for us just to talk through these things. And so, uh, Brent, I want to start here by just kind of asking you, asking you this. So many of these um, things regarding race and um, oppression, uh, they end up being political issues where, where we, we kind of frame them along uh, political lines. But what I want us to do today is is take a look at it from, from a theological standpoint. Yeah, one of my, when I use the word fear, I don't necessarily mean it like that, but just for lack of a better term, one of my fears is to try to add my voice to the one million voices that are trying to speak on this issue at this moment. But I think it's right. Um, I think it's right to attempt to, to carve out part of the conversation in a way that makes sure that we're looking at this, not just from a sociological position or certainly not a political position, but theologically. So, so we know theologically, biblically speaking, that um, humanity was created in the image of God. So as image bearers of God, we have a particular value and inherent worth, a, um, a specific glory, if you will, uh, that is stamped in us, in our souls, in our very beings, spirit, um, soul, body, and our very person, each one of us, um, as a part of the human race, has, um, has this inherent worth. And one of the things that we see in that inherent worth is that people, uh, regardless of uh, ethnicity, color, whatever, right? Any, any uh, additional distinctions that could be made, people, human beings are intended to live freely. God has created us as such. And so I would say it like this, 
that theologically thinking, speaking, oppression isn't a condition that is intended by God. That, um, that oppression is actually a devilish work. And, and in fact, this Sunday, as I preach in the book of Matthew, again, as we're going through the book of Matthew, um, I'll make that same statement because we see somebody who's actually oppressed by a demon in, in the text. And so oppression is a devilish work. And, and what we know is historically that oppression often comes through sinful people. And so, um, when we, when, when human beings, since we're created to live freely, when we're placed in long-term oppressive situations, an uprising is inevitable. And I want to be really careful about how I say that. But so, so I want to state it again, that when, when placed in long-term oppressive situations, because we're created to live freely, then an uprising is inevitable. Um, and I think about our, our history as a country going back to like going back to the Revolutionary War that our founding fathers were feeling as if they were living under an oppressive situation. And it was a long term situation that they tried to rectify uh, by peaceable means and they could not. They, they decided that, that that wasn't going to happen. And so and hence the Revolutionary War. And so I think any people living under the sort of conditions, now I'm transferring to today's world and our our inner cities, which we're so shielded from here in the Skagit Valley. It's a much more rural setting, uh, much more of a farming community, blue collar community, small small towns and cities in this, in this county. And, uh, and so we don't really, unless you've lived in the inner cities in our country, you don't really know. But I think that it would be fair to say any people living under the sort of conditions that exist in our inner cities for generations would be at a boiling point because we're created to live freely. So when we look at um, the lack of opportunity, the low-grade school systems, the systemic poverty, the built-in prejudice, the discrimination and abuses of all kinds that take place consistently, the human spirit cannot live in that condition without rising up eventually. Hmm. And so um, society hasn't responded. So this is, um, because it's generational here, because it's something that's taken place for so long, I, I, go almost, I almost go to my um, little mantra that I use with my children, my kids, they're not children anymore, but my kids when I was, as I parent them, is I would tell them, they, they hated the phrase, but I would say listening is a very important skill. And, um, and so, but I would tell them, I said, listen, if you don't listen to my words, then I have to find other ways to get you to listen to me. Um, and so those would include disciplinary actions, loss of privilege, etc. And I almost relate it to this same thing. There are whole people groups in this country who have been saying, their words have been saying, we're not being treated fairly. We're being discriminated against. There are built-in prejudices in this society, and we would like those things to be rectified. And the fact is, as a society, um, many in many ways, we simply have not been listening. And I go back to that statement, if if. If you don't, if we don't listen to their words, it's almost as if they have to find other means by which to communicate their 
their frustration with an oppressive situation. So demonstrations and protests are a, are a natural and lawful response to the injustices that we, that we have seen. And uh, the right, of course, to a peaceable assembly in order to petition the government to enact change is a First Amendment right. And it's, it is one of the right responses to oppression. Um, and, and I want to be really clear about that. So when I say an uprising is, an, is inevitable, I don't mean then to say thus rioting and looting is, um, is uh, acceptable in any way. Rioting and looting is not a right response to those uh, an oppressive situation. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people have used the opportunity, or I shouldn't say a lot, some people have used the opportunity um, through these demonstrations and protests to display their own lack of dignity and virtue. Um, and they've reverted to these, to these um, unlawful means. Um, and so for this past week, we've seen a lot of lawlessness. Um, and and it's, it, it, that lawlessness is condemnable for sure. But I want to be careful to make sh- to, to communicate that that um, that what we're seeing in this in this uprising with these protests and these demonstrations is a, a people, a, a society standing up and saying, you haven't listened to our words. What else are we supposed to do? So as you've you've kind of spelled out that that theological framework there and, and went beyond that. But but as Christians, we have this understanding that that sin is still um, very much uh, a problem in our world today as, as much as it's ever been. It, it feels like to some degree sin is as normal to us and that we can't even see it as water is to a fish. Um, and so um, we look back at even just 60 years ago, the, the civil rights movement, that was only 60 years ago where, where things were so heated and so intense in this country just to allow um, um, uh, white people and, and, and black people to, to um, integrate. Like that, that is, that's very, very recent. And so um, what would you, what would you say to those who would argue, well, we've, we've moved past that or we've, we've gone beyond that as, as a country? Well, I think we have made some progress. I, sure. I really do. I don't think that would be arguable. When you read the history of the way black people were treated um, and at the founding of this country and through the time of the Civil War, when you read about the brutality that was taking place, firsthand accounts from slaves themselves who had escaped to the North, etc. I've read books on such things. And it, I mean, you just... It, it is beyond description what they what those dear people had to endure and and so yes that's not happening per se any longer in this country but uh, the things that the things that were still taking place post civil war the things that were still taking place prior to the civil rights movement we can see progress but 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 we're still not um, we're still not where we need to be. I, I unfortunately have talked to plenty of people in my life who do not um, who do not have filter enough to reveal in their own hearts that they are they do hold racist prejudices and um, and it's 
it's maddening to me. Uh, it's so frustrating to me. In fact, I took time uh, earlier this week to uh, to just call several people from within the City Point Church family who are who are black people and and just talk to these dear men and women and just I just wanted to listen to them. I wanted to hear how they were feeling and um, and what their thoughts were in regards to all this. And I was so proud of them for uh, just how. Yeah, I mean, like one guy said clearly, he said, "I'm angry," and um, and yet and yet in the next sentences, he was telling me how he's teaching his children to love all people regardless of how they're treating him, wow. uh, treating them. And I thought, oh man, and, and every one of them that I talked to had stories of themselves being discriminated against or treated unfairly, and I just think this is so. This is so wrong. So yeah, racism still exists. It's still a thing in America. Our history is dark in this regard. And I don't mean to say that our entire history is dark. There are a lot of bright spots in the history of America. So I'm not anti-American by any stretch. I love this country. I'm very uh, grateful to be a part of it. But in this regard, our history is dark, whether it's slavery, brutality, segregation, reservations, um, a lack of, in, uh, of equality, imbalances of civil rights, etc. We've made progress, but o- oppression still does exist and it isn't right. And I think, you know, three of the recent cases with George Floyd, Amon Aubrey, and that Breonna Taylor uh, are evidence of, of this. And, um, and I think that they're, they're, racism kind of lurks in, uh, in the human heart. And, and I, hate, I don't want to exonerate ourselves from the conversation when I say what I'm going to say next. But I, but the reality is when you study world history, there are no innocent races, right? Mm-hmm. There, there has been a oppression from one race against another race throughout the history of the world. It's not mm-hmm. a black and white issue. It's a human issue. And it's not certainly not a, a skin color issue. It's a condition of the heart issue. And we as human beings are pervasively sinful and one of the ways that that sinfulness is expressed toward our fellow man is um, is is prejudice and mm-hmm. racism and, and, and such. And so, um, I think that I think that uh, unfortunately, yes, I was going to say we have made progress, and I and I'm definitely grateful for that progress. But it still exists, and I think it's I think it's. Um, an opportunity where we're at right now, um, with the attention being what it is, that we we might be able to make some progress uh, in our in our society to uh, further level the playing field, so that um, so that uh, rights are equal, people are treated equally. I just I, I just hope it's done not by way of the f- force of law, but that may be necessary, but by way of us gaining a. Uh, a newfound love and appreciation for um, our brothers and sisters, our fellow humans, from uh, regardless of, of the color of their skin. Yeah, yeah. It is, to me, it is uh, tragic that it took something um, this this blatant and this horrific to, to so, sort of shake... Um, some of us from from apathy regarding this uh, there's been so many stories and so many names you just referenced a couple of them um, but there 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 does seem to be 
uh, a very, I mean, obviously there, there's, there's widespread, um, unrest about this. There's, there's angst, but those people, um, who are, uh, who may not have been as aware of things like this are, are starting to turn their ear toward it. And so one of the things you said was interesting, um, was, was calling, um, uh, friends of yours, uh, people who attend our church, who, um, are persons of color and, and just hearing from them and, and, and listening to stories. And I think that's going to be really, really important for us in the weeks and months to come. Uh, just being able to listen and listen well, um, so many times when things like this hit, we are very quick to voice opinions and um, to 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 have some sort of commentary. Uh, and so social media has become um, just tiresome at this point uh, with that. And so uh, I want to ask you, in light of all of this, everything that's going on, me as a Christian in Skagit Valley, Washington, um, what's my, what's my posture in this? And I'm talking about not just my, in my personal life, but maybe my, my online sphere, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because you'll hear so many different things of, um, you shouldn't say silent. You have to speak out. And some people are, are bothered by what's happening, but they don't know where to start. They don't know what to say. Hearing all these different things, what would you, um, say to, uh, us as people of City Point Church um, about our posture toward all this? Yeah. Um, first, I would say that we need to be very careful to think through what we're saying mm. because so often what sounds like a pithy statement is so laced uh, with, with error and with basic kind of uh, generalities that express hatred. Um, I saw one of the memes on Facebook earlier this week that somebody said, please stop using Martin Luther King as, uh, as your kind of voice, to, oh, dear white people, please stop mm. using Dr. Martin Luther King as your voice for peaceful protest. You killed him too. And you think, wait a second, all white people did not kill Dr. Martin Luther King millions and millions and millions of us admired him, admire him and love what he did. We did not, we did not, um, as a people, there was a white guy who killed him, but that wasn't, it wasn't the entire white race of people that did that. So that was just like, oh, that's the very thing that is antithetical to us building bridges and making progress. Another thing I would say in that is the, the notion of, of, of um, Black Lives Matter and so quickly the other side responds by defending themselves and saying all lives matter. And I heard a great illustration um, as to why that's not the right response. And having, um, having my wife uh, uh, just two years ago was diagnosed with a very, very serious cancer, was a couple of years going through this now and she's doing really right. well. But the illustration was given about, you know, if, if, if you have a, a loved one who's going through cancer and you share that information with somebody and their response is, well, yeah, a lot of people have cancer. You're not going to feel very valued at that moment. Right? right. Right. Yeah. A lot of people are going through cancer, but I'm talking about my wife right now. 
And so you think about that with regard to, yes, it is actually true. All lives matter. Jesus is the savior of the world. And, uh, and yes, all lives matter. But when a people group have been devalued, then, um, then I think it's, it's right to emphasize that those who have been devalued are, are, um, that they do matter. It's, it's right to, to yeah. emphasize that. I think lastly, I would say, um, we talk about what, what should our posture be is to remember, I'm speaking from a, a, myself being a follower of Christ, speaking to probably mostly others who are followers of Christ. Here's what we have to remember. Jesus, who is the savior of the world, is the conquering king. Mm-hmm. And he conquered his enemies by dying for them. We were his enemies. It was while we were yet sinning that Christ died for us. So as followers of Christ, we have to find ways to bring that truth to bear, that we're not, uh, we're not to slay our enemies. We're not to attack and conquer our enemies uh, except with love and good deeds and to try somehow, Satan inspires hatred uh, among human beings as a way for, uh, uh, as a way to show hatred, his hatred toward God. And so, and so when, when people further that hatred for their fellow man, regardless of their color, when people further that hatred, they're, they're really working uh, they're working for in in devilish ways. They're working for the devil, and so as Christians, we got to remember how did Jesus conquer his enemies? He gave himself for them. Yeah, he gave himself for them. So that's what we got to somehow bring that to bear. Yeah, absolutely. And to that we say Amen and Amen. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up for for today. Uh, but this is this is a dialogue that that we are certainly going to continue, and and we encourage you to to continue on um, having with. Uh, those around you, uh, teaching people around you and, and, and encouraging those who need to be encouraged in seasons like this. And so with that, uh, we're going to conclude episode three, but we'll be back next week with more of the Inside Out podcast. <laughs>